and welcome to the Adaptation Station podcast. This is your host, Nicole. I'm a former special education teacher and currently an ABA therapist at a private center. This podcast is filled with tips and tricks for not only being the best special education teacher you can be in the classroom, but living the best life you can live outside of the classroom as well. After all, I'm all about balance. Hope you guys are excited. Let's jump on in. Hi guys, and welcome to the last episode and the Where Do I Even Start podcast series. It's hard to believe we're already here, but we're at the last episode, which is supporting our paraprofessionals. I could not have done my job without my paraprofessionals. They were crucial in helping me keep my classroom running and my class successful. Before we dive into this podcast, I want to explain that I always had strong relationships with my paraprofessionals. I had never dealt with serious conflict issues, so I won't be sharing advice in that area. Instead, I'm going to share advice on how I supported and trained my team. So we're going to break this down into four main components, techniques, things, times, and tips. So whenever you get stuck, think of the T's, techniques, things, times, and tips. If you've noticed a pattern, we had the same T's in homeschool communication and in teamwork. I really am trying to make this easy on you guys. So when looking at paraprofessionals, when I talk about techniques, I'm looking at techniques to train your paraprofessionals. Training pairs is crucial because they cannot support our students if they don't have the training to do so. So different classrooms will have different difficulties squeezing training in, but I have four different ideas and hopefully you can make one of the four ideas work. The first one is throughout the day. This might feel like you're going against what you should do, but don't look at it like that. Look at it like going off routine for 15 minutes to make the routine run better the rest of the time. And so this one really depends on the level of attention your students can give to a certain activity. But if your whole class can be engaged in watching a video, using iPads, or playing in the recess corner, give them a little bit of time to do that and train your staff during that time. It's really important if you're using this method to have everything mapped out. Have notes and papers and guides ready to go. These meetings might have to abruptly stop, so you want to get through as much as you can quickly and be able to know where you stopped so you can pick up later. The second tip is meetings before and after school. Again, I had great relationships with my paraprofessionals. They were eager to learn and eager to support. I found that if I showed up to work with donuts and coffee for my team, they were willing to come into work 30 minutes early. We did this about once a quarter and it worked really well, but it takes time to lay the foundation to do this. But if you can do that, it really can work. And just a quick note about spending money, especially in this context, this is something that my husband Corey and I talked a lot about when I first started teaching as our budget was much stricter back then. I didn't want to frivolously spend money, but I also knew that my time was money. And what that means is if I could spend a little bit of money and save myself a lot of time, It was well worth it. So if a $15 Dunkin' Donuts trip helped my staff feel confident in their jobs, that would save me stress during the day and time after school. So it was well worth putting into my budget. And the last idea I have are video trainings. My last year, I had a hard time squeezing training in with one of my paraprofessionals. She actually had a second job before and after school. She arrived at a student's house at 6 a.m., which is when his parents left for work, and stayed with him until it was time for him to get on the bus. And then she came right over to my school, and then as soon as school was over, she went and worked in the after-school program. And so I couldn't have her come in early or stay after because she had time constraints. And we couldn't orchestrate trainings in the middle of the day either. So I turned to video training. 
I would film myself giving a training on something, like an IEP bin, in the exact manner that if I were training to her face-to-face. I couldn't facilitate actual trainings where we both could step out during the day, but I could give her 15 minutes in the hallway to watch my video. She could ask me follow-up questions, and it was an easy way to get her trained. And then the fourth tip is written protocols. She also really benefited from written protocols that she could review. And so she wanted to have a written out system for how to run IEP bins. She would watch the video and she would review the document and that helped her understand what I wanted her to do. The next area are times that we're going to communicate with our paraprofessionals. So the first one I'm really passionate about, it's when things are awesome. Paraprofessional work is underappreciated. Our paras are working hard with complex needs without the same training or degrees that we have with minimal pay. As I explained earlier, my para was having to hold down two outside jobs to help ends meet while kicking butt in my classroom. And to give her a little bit of extra praise, she actually took over my classroom when I left and she's now the teacher of my former students. So when your paraprofessional does something awesome, handle a stressful situation with poise, come up with a great idea, or just genuinely make a student happy, praise them. Let them know specifically what they did that was great. Most of us like to hear when we're doing a good job. If I could take 30 seconds out of my day to do this for my paras, why wouldn't I? By the way, I'm pretty sure that giving this praise paired with Duncan contributed to why my team would come in early to work when I needed them to. The second time you want to talk to paras is when something needs to be corrected. So you might find that your paraprofessional needs support or correction, and this is totally normal. We all make mistakes or we don't use strategies correctly. We might be overprompting or giving a response to a behavior that is opposite of the one that we want to give. If you see this happening with your paras, don't be afraid to correct it. The biggest thing is how you go about correcting it. We don't want to make them feel bad about themselves because usually it was an honest mistake. One thing I did to help facilitate these conversations is let my parents know when I made a mistake. I wanted them to know that I was not perfect and I had to get correction as well. This helped me establish that I wasn't micromanaging them or being controlling. I was genuinely trying to help everyone. It can also be helpful to learn the way your parent prefers feedback. Some people want to know in the moment so they can better understand. So if someone is over prompting, you would tell them right away so they can see how to scale back. Other people can't focus on your feedback and their student at the same time. They might prefer to have a conversation when they're not distracted and they can process and ask for clarification if necessary. If you know which way your pair prefers to get feedback, you can customize it to her needs, which will help her be more successful. And the last area is general check-ins. So don't wait for your pair to come to you and tell you that something is wrong. Some of your pairs will be really confident in expressing concerns and others might worry about being a problem and not tell you what's going on, and those are the ones that I was really worried about. I didn't want my parent to finally come to me when she was struggling to support and inclusion. I wanted to make sure that I had an open space for her to come to me on a regular basis. You can just post a question, is everything working well? But you might find that it elicits no response. So I recommend trying specific questions like, we're all working on avoiding giving attention to the behavior of Adam. Are you finding that feasible to do? Or maybe, I know that you're trying to take data on Alex's goals while supporting him in math. Is that manageable? Or do you have any concerns on how to work with or support Sandy with her AAC device? Look for things that you know might be a struggle and offer or ask specific questions to open that dialogue. The next area we're talking about are the things that we're training our paras on. First one is IEP goals and accommodations. Your para is there to help you implement the IEP. 
She cannot do that if she has no idea what goals and accommodations students are working on. I always had my IEPs readily available for parents to review, but I also know that reading IEPs is tough if you're not already familiar with them. I like to meet my students' programming guides to support the paras. With the programming guide, I would summarize the strengths and weaknesses of the student, spell out the goals in simpler language, and have examples of how the accommodations could be used. That allowed my paras to better understand exactly how to support the students. This also took taking data on IEP goals a lot easier. And listen to the data podcast for more information, because in there I talked about how our paras should be taking data on IEP goals. We also want to train them on FBAs and BIPs. If you have a student with a behavior plan, your paraprofessional needs to be trained on those behavior plans. As we covered in the Functions of Behavior podcast, we need to know the function of the behavior and make sure our response isn't making the behavior happen more. So if the behavior is maintained by attention, we don't want to be giving attention, and this includes your paras. But before we just tell a para not to give attention, we want them to understand why. It might feel really counterproductive to your para if you're limiting how they can respond to behavior, but by taking time to explain the FBA and the BIP, how you determined function of behavior, how you determined the intervention, how to facilitate the intervention, and other basics, your para will be better equipped to implement the plan. And we also want to give them support with academic support and inclusion. So do your paras know what you're going to work on during the school day? Do they know the upcoming science or math concept? Or do they walk through the door having no idea what's going on? If the answer is the latter, change that. It can be as simple as giving them the monthly viewpoint for your curriculum map that we talked about in the scheduling podcast, but we want them to know what they're going to be supporting our students in. And when it comes to inclusion, give them specific examples on how they can support in that classroom. If you're not sure, maybe you need to go to inclusion yourself to figure it out. Work to make a communication flow between the general education teacher and the para so they can get support that way. Don't just hand them a clipboard and send them to math to two students and say, good luck. Give them the support they need to make it work. And then a couple of tips for the communication. The first one is to be confident. We want our paras to feel confident, and if we showcase confidence, that helps. When we're giving support, giving training, intervening on behavior and more, we want our paras to know that we know what we're talking about. We want to be organized, have handouts, and facilitate the conversation in a positive and proactive manner. We also want to be respectful. Our parents have their own expertise and knowledge that they bring to the table. They may not have teaching degrees, but that shouldn't discredit the training and other avenues they've learned from. They're sitting on the other side of the table as a professional. You need to treat them as such. And then you want to be open. Your paraprofessionals are spending a lot of time with students, and they may have insights that you don't. My parents knew what was going on in inclusion more than I did, and they might have a suggestion that could turn into an accommodation down the line. Again, they might not have the degree, but they can still make the suggestion, and this is no different than the collaboration podcast. Just like you might not know the OT language, but you can still give the OT an idea, the paraprofessional might not know your lingo, but they can still give you some insight. Be sure to go into your TPT folder and download today's freebies. You will get a handout that summarizes everything in this podcast and a brainstorming sheet. We're going to brainstorm four things on the sheet, and the first one is something you want to train your paras on. Maybe you're going to train them on behavior, on prompting, or AAC devices. Think about your upcoming class and think about one area you can already start training on. The second area is delegation. As we've talked about earlier this week, paras can be in charge of different parts of the day, so maybe they're running IEP bins or a fluency center. 
Maybe they can plan out crafts or run the morning calendar. Brainstorm one thing that you can delegate, and it's really going to help you once you get the school year rolling. The third area is appreciation. We want to make sure that they feel appreciated, and maybe we can just plan to pick up coffee one day, twice a year. <laughs> maybe we can give them an extra five minutes on lunch. Maybe we'll just plan out three specific things to compliment on. Whatever it is, make a plan, and you're much more likely to follow through on it. And the last area is support. We want to plan one off way to offer continuous support. And this ties directly into that freebie that you have. It's a get to know your parish sheet. And the purpose of this sheet is to know the kind of things your parents, paras like. For example, if your para does not drink coffee, maybe you shouldn't bring them Starbucks coffee in the morning because that's not going to make them feel as appreciated as bringing them a cup of tea if that's what they prefer. So you can learn a little bit more about what they like, but I also designed it so you can learn more about their learning styles. Do they prefer written training, visual training, a component of both? How do they like to get feedback? One thing I really like to know is where did my parents feel most confident and least confident in supporting? And I don't really mean with like behavior, but I mean more, I had a para that really did not like going to fifth grade math. She struggled with math herself and she didn't feel like she was supporting the student as well as she could. I had another para who didn't mind, so we simply flipped them. The other para went into math inclusion and then the one that was supporting a math inclusion started going to a third grade writer's workshop instead and that was way more her speed. So if you have more than one para and you can kind of change your schedule around to meet what they feel most strong at, that might be a good idea too and that sheet will help you do that. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Where Do I Even Start podcast series. All of these podcasts will live forever. The freebie folder will live forever. Come back to it whenever you need, and I greatly appreciate you tagging along in this journey. Catch you in the next series. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. If you like what you heard, I would greatly appreciate if you left me some feedback. And if you want to hear more, go ahead and give me a follow. While you're at it, come say hi on social media. You can find me at Adaptation Station on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and AdaptationStation.net. It's taco night in my house, so I'm going to go have a delicious dinner and a margarita, and I will talk to you guys again next Friday.